got, we got, as you know, Christina and I, we have three kids. And um, throughout their lives, they've played different sports. And so I've, I've been able to coach them uh, through those sports. And, you know, in various sports, uh, the one that really, really got me was Olivia when she started playing soccer. Wasn't a big soccer fan when we started out. Didn't know anything about soccer. Just knew that, hey, we just got to try to kick it into the net. That's what we got to try to do. Uh, but uh, believe it or not, I wasn't an expert at any of those. Um, so, but but th- there was an interesting process as you just stepped into just the opportunities to be able to, to coach and to be able to just see the, the, this conglomerate, <laughs> this group of young ladies or young girls or, or boys just kind of come together and work hard all week long and just kind of spend time with one another, start to learn the fundamentals of the game and start to learn whatever game it was, whether basketball or baseball or football or soccer, um, and just come together and start to, to actually get better, like, like start to really improve. And, and then things started to kind of happen and everything started to have fun. And we, we won most of the time, but we, you know, we would win and, you know, it was, it was great and it was so much fun. And, and it was interesting to see where, where we started from, you know, the team that we had and, and then where, where we ended. And, and quite honestly, there was like this, this improvement that, that was really awesome. But you know, but you know what, like they, they weren't at the end of the season, they weren't the only ones that actually got better. Even me, as a coach, I got better. Just just spending time, investing those times to to study, to to learn from from others that had uh, different resources to to even take the things that I had learned and sharpen those things and uh, figure out how to implement those things and talk about those things and help them understand it and grasp it. There's this beautiful just, just growth that happened within that. And listen, I tell you that because this is quite honestly what we're trying to do here in, in this season, in this series at One Chapel. We're simply trying to move the culture, move our culture from a church of, of programs to something more, something more intentional, something uh, that we're, we're saying we're returning to this, to this culture of disciple-making. And we want to embody a disciple-making culture all across the board in everything that we do. It's in the same way the, the, whole, the whole focus of every one of those teams was to get better, was to, to, was to win, was to help each other elevate. That's what we want to do here at One Chapel. And as we step into this disciple-making culture. And I want to tell you, we can all do it. We can all do that. No, I, I thought I'd at least get one amen, but not, I, t- I guess everybody's like, I don't know who he's talking to. He ain't talking to me. <laughs> no, I'm talking to you. Listen, you don't have to be perfect. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't the perfect coach. Pray for David. He, he got the worst. He got the worst coach. I mean, I, come, coming out of just, I, listen, I was young. I was 21. And trying to coach this kid, still just super uber competitive I, I will, I, unfortunately, I went through a few clipboards in my seasons, <laughs> coaching David. They just, they don't make them like they used to, you know what I mean? So <laughs> all, the, all, the, all the coach dads are laughing. They're like, yeah, I know what that's about. <laughs> We're in this series called, and we, they're called Disciple, where we, we said we want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus, and we want to do what Jesus did. We're using the specific definition so that we can redeem this word, disciple. 
Because quite honestly, when, when, we, begin, when we say disciple, your, your mind immediately brings up memories. Your mind immediately brings up programs. Your mind immediately brings up situations that, that, that have, you have tied to that word. And so we want to strip all of those things down and we want to say, this is what we believe a disciple is at here at One Chapel. We believe a disciple is a lifelong learner, follower, and friend of Jesus who simply helps others become a lifelong learner, follower, and friend of Jesus. And last week we, we talked about love and obedience. And how Jesus said in John 14, 15, that if you love me, obey my commands. Simply, obey my commands. And we learned that God is not interested in your obedience alone. He's interested in love that leads to obedience. And so, so all of those things, they start right here. It started in us. I love, I love that Rob said, you know what we do? We, we are praying for revival. We want God to come and sweep across the landscape of the church, not just here at One Chapel, but the church in, in general across the world here in America. We, we, want, we want God to come and do some great things, but the, the reality of it is it starts right here in us. It starts right here in our heart. It starts with our decision to say what? Lord, I want to love, and because I love you, I want to obey you. So I'm willing, I'm willing to lay down all the things that I want, all the things that I think should happen, all the things that I think are right. That, that's what you call selfishness. So I'm willing to lay down selfishness. I'm willing to lay down maybe a, a judgmental spirit. I'm willing to lay down some legalism. I'm willing to lay down my dreams and my aspirations. I'm willing to lay down all these things, God, in order to align myself with what you want. Because quite honestly, you laying those things down, God may say, hey, 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 listen, listen, I put some of that stuff in you so let me redeem some of that stuff for you right right it's it's, it's not turning away from everything yet like you don't have to you don't have to give up all you gotta realize that the good things that you want for yourself God wants them too like like God wants those same good things for you he just wants to reorder them so that they're a blessing not a burden right the Bible tells us in Matthew 6 to do what seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And then he says, what? Everything else will be added unto you. I said this this week. I was just talking through, through prayer. I said, you know why God says that? Because he wants you to have things that last an eternity. He wants, to, he wants us to have those things first. And so as we give him our heart and we say, we say, Lord, I love you and I obey you. Now, because it starts in us, it starts to expand a little bit. You see that? It starts to grow. And now it starts to go, grow outside in our circle, our sphere of influence, uh, the people that we, that we live with, the people that we just live life with, we gather with, we, have, we go to Top Golf with, we go get coffee with. And so those things, be, those things now start to permeate, this love and obedience starts to permeate into our relationships. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning, we're, if, if you want to put a title to the message, you can find these message notes on the YouVersion app. You can scan that QR code on the back of your seat. That God is relational, not informational. So there's, there's, there's no way to be a disciple of Jesus unless you settle the issue of obedience. And love is the life-giving seed that leads to this obedience. 
So we're processing and we're redefining the, the, what it means to be a disciple in 21st century Central Texas here in Austin and Kyle and around Central Texas. We're, t- we're taking our values of presence, relationship, and mission. You've, you've heard this said multiple times, but it's important because this is where we start. We start by reinforcing the foundation. Anytime you build something, you've got to check the foundation before you go up because it doesn't matter how beautiful it is and how prestigious it is and how glorious you make it. If the foundation is weak, then it will crumble and our foundation is set firm on Christ and we want to make sure that we are establishing ourselves in that so we're reevaluating we've talked about reevaluating our tactics and our strategies for making disciples of Jesus here and now because it's that important it takes tactic it takes strategy and so we're going to drill down a little bit on this idea today everything about the good news of Jesus is relational Everything we see as, as, he, as he lived out his life, he lived it out in a, re, in a relational fashion. He lived it out with, with relationships at the forefront. And, and I, want to, I, want us to help, I want to help you understand that, that, that how that gels and how that is linked intimately, deeply in disciple making. So what I want us to understand here is I want to see one, of these, one of the things I want to see is everything about God is relational. Everything that he has done is relational. Look, look at this exchange that Jesus had with one, of his Jew, with one of the Jewish leaders. Excuse me. In Matthew 22, the Bible says this. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like, like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law... And, uh, and the prophets hang on on these two commandments. We kind of talked about this when we went through our last series. And Jesus is explicitly, he defines for us what the greatest commandment in the Torah is. It's to love God with all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. If you obey these commands, is what he's saying. Jesus said you essentially obey the law and the prophets. It's all about relationships. The, the greatest commandment, is, the great commandment is, is the foundation and motive of the great commission matthew 28 19 we know that the bible says therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i'm with you until the end of the age we see that so often we have we've taken this and we've turned the great commission into the great information we think that making disciples is about education and information about God, about God. It's not. The Great Commission is about love. It's about loving God and loving people. It's like, it's like training a person at work. You go to work, you, you have any type of position, you have some knowledge of that, or, or maybe like even on team one. You, 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 there's moments where people come in and we train people. And it usually doesn't take but one day for you to be able to train somebody. But that, that, that's not true. I'm just kidding. Um, but so, so, for instance, like, like the, this one, on Team One, somebody, somebody asks, will say, hey, I want to I join Team One. What's that process like? I'm so glad you asked. This is what it is. Team One, essentially, is a group of people coming together each Sunday to help, to serve you, to love on you, to love God, and to love people. They, they help people find their way to church. It's our sign team that puts those signs out. 
They, yeah, that's right. Come on, give it up for them. That's good. That's good. It's, it's, it's people. It's people that help you find a parking space as you come in, right? That's our parking team, right? It's, it's, it's the beautiful people that, that greet you when you walk through the doors. They're our greeters, our greeting team. They, walk, they welcome you to church. Hey, it's that group of people that kind of, kind of give you a little bit of perk, kind of give you a little bit, a little bit of wake up. It's our coffee team. God bless them. Oh, yeah. Give the coffee team some love, right? Right now, there's a group of people that are instructing our kids, teaching them about Jesus. It's a kid's team. They're doing, they're doing that. It's a, group, a, group of, 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 a great group of people that help you find your seats and help us facilitate this service. It's our usher team. They're awesome. And then, there's, a, there's a great group of people that make sure this looks good and make sure them lights are good, make sure everything is right. Our tech team back there, they're doing amazing. They, they, look at that. Lights going up, lights going crazy. We're going to have a light show here in just a second. <laughs> Right? There's a great group that leads us in corporate worship, right? Our worship team, they lead us. They help us, be, they help us as, as a part to understand what, what being, there's a, there's a group that, that helps us, helps a group of people in this church right now that understand what we're saying. They're the interpretation team. The interpretation team helps those that speak Spanish understand what's going on, what's happening. And there's a group that holds your hand and, and agrees with you and loves you and walks with you. That's our prayer team. They pray, over, they pray over these chairs. They pray over our service. So it's, a, it's a group of people that say, I want to serve the church. God, I, God, I have a talent. I have a passion. I, I have something that, that I want to do, and I, and I want to continue to give. And I, and I want to take this opportunity to invite you in. Listen, we have a Team One rally that's happening next Sunday. Next Sunday is a Team One rally. We're going to have a lot of fun. Listen, it's going to be amazing. If anything else, you know me and Brent are going to be there. We're going to have some fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to poke at each other. We're going to have a great time. Maybe, maybe you've been on the fence. This is my call to you. Come on. Come on and step into to some discipleship. Come on and be a part of a team. Come on, come on and be there. Like, and like if you're parents and you, you have a kid, you, you see that as, as your kids grow, right? In, in something as simple as learn, them learning how to talk. They, they don't learn grammar first. No. They, they learn by, by relating and interacting and engaging. They're surrounded by this culture of communication, Right? And you quickly understand as a parent that do as I say, not as I do, doesn't really work. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do, that, that goes out the window immediately. It's very much the same with disciple making. Relationships, love, engagement, relating, inter interacting. It's how people grow spiritually. And Jesus invited the disciples to do the stuff that he was doing. He included them. He empowered them. He taught them and corrected them privately afterwards with conversations. They didn't, they didn't study him first. <laughs> Remember, Jesus said, come follow me. He didn't say, come study me. But, but we get stuck sometimes in this idea that we need education and we need information to, to disciple someone. Disciple making happens in a culture of love and relationship, engaging and interacting. It was true of Jesus' time and it was true since the beginning of time. God it was, it exemplified this. Look, let's go, go with me to Genesis 2. We're going to read some, to some blocks of scripture here, so, so stay with me. So Genesis 2, starting in verse 8, it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. It was, in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone, so I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord, we, we skip down to 18 here, skip down to 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whenever the man called each living creature, that's what, that's what his name was. So the man gave names to all the livestock birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Did you catch that one portion where God included Adam in his work? Right? He took care of the garden and he worked it. He was part of it. God, God is always a collaborator. It is his way. It's, it's what he does. He includes us in his work of creation and in his kingdom. God said to Adam, this is what he, this is what he said, Adán, yo quiero que usted, usted le da todos los nombres a todos los animales que estén aquí. Uh, you didn't know God spoke Spanish? <laughs> Así es, el señor, el señor Juan, él habló, everybody's like, What? Is he speaking in tongues up there? <laughs> God said to Adam, he said, Adam, I want you, I want you to name all the animals. You, you don't think God could have done it himself? You don't think he was capable of just going, poof, okay, everybody's got a name. <laughs> but it's not his way. Adam, and Adam starts off, right? Adam starts off really good, right? He's like, elephant. Rhinoceros, hippopotamus. I don't know why Adam talks like that. <laughs> then there's a lot of animals out there, right? <laughs> I can just imagine by the end of the day, he's like, red bird, blue bird, beetle, dung beetle. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but, but really, really, like, what, what happens when you work with somebody? Like, you get to know them. Like, like, when you're working side by side with somebody, you, you really, you really get to know them. The, the, there's something that happens when you're working with somebody and maybe there's a moment of frustration. The, the, the glory sometimes kind of comes down. <laughs> if you're working with somebody and you're trying to build something and they hit their thumb. Santa Maria Madre. <laughs> Whoo. I had an idea, but I didn't go there, I promise you. That. <laughs> that you really get to know somebody when you begin to work with them. Every, everything kind of comes off. Same, same thing when you start to have lunch and you start to eat with people. You find out what's really inside them. You find out who they are. You, you, you cultivate this, this, this moment where you can share and you can be honest and open. Because innately in all of us, we want to have somebody to talk to. 
innately in all of us. We, we, we want to we, we have somebody that we can confide in that's right here with me. And that's true of everybody. That's why we can all do it. Because that's the reality of who we are. Right? And then, and then we read that God, he creates this model for humans when, when he proclaims it's not good for man to be alone, right? He knocks Adam out, does some, does some heavenly surgery, pulls a rib out, right? He creates this woman. Adam wakes up, and you know the story. The, the, the pastoral joke is, uh, he said, whoa, man. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Had to do it, sorry. Um, and so, because we see that, right? Adam, Adam, he said, Adam and his wife, they were both naked, and they felt no shame. Humanity was perfect. They created and designed relationship in perfect harmony, no shame, no embarrassment, no humiliation, just pure, clean, healthy, secure relationships. And it leaves me one question. What, what happened? We can see that. Let's, let's go to Genesis 3. Here we go. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals and the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from fruit. We may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called them, called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I, so I hid. And he said, who, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and, and I ate it. And then the Lord said to, to the woman, what, what is that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. What happened with, with Adam and Eve is that they rejected the invitation of relationship with, from God. And instead, they opted for a transactional exchange of knowledge to become like God. Everything about God is relational. But so much about us is transactional. Because th- think about this. When the serpent tempted Eve with godliness, they were already more godlike than they, than they would ever be. They were made from the dirt of God's life-giving spirit. They were already breathing in and out of the life of God, they, the, the life that defined them. That's why the tree of life could be consumed and enjoyed. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was to be avoided at all costs. Why? Because it had no life-giving qualities. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed and they disconnected from the source of life. They chose knowledge as a way of life, which is, which is impossible. They, they decided to wield the knowledge of good and evil for themselves to determine what was good and evil on their own terms. 
You see, it's not just the knowledge of evil that kills you. Even the knowledge of good can kill you. Both branches, they produce death. By contrast, look at, look at the tree of life. A life that looks a lot like secure, innocent, and healthy relationships. They, they walk through the garden completely naked, but secure in who they were. A life described by Jesus that receives the kingdom of God like children. It's just like children, humility, simplicity, love, peace, and joy. It's a picture of a life of Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it produces the opposite of this, becoming an expert in right and wrong and sitting in judgment over others, blame and victimization and bitterness and criticism and cynicism, all things that ruin relationships and and they create a demonic opportunity of division and destruction. So the the tree of life and the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's a choice. It's a choice that that they had. The metaphor of Jesus in in the rest of scriptures, we see it all throughout the scriptures, the choice of the way you live, the way you want to live your life, the choices that you make, you're free to make them. The way you relate to others, the way you see the world, See, so you can choose to follow Jesus in his way of life-giving relational, of a life-giving relational presence, or you can choose to follow the knowledge of good and evil. Those are choices that we make. This is exactly the trap that the religious teachers of the law fell into in Jesus' day. We, we see that where he said to them in John 5, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that that speak, they testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Listen, the scriptures are wonderful, and, and they're a standard for everything we know about God. And they are a record of God's interaction with humanity. And we should read the scriptures. We should study the scriptures. We, could, we should focus our attention, right, on the scriptures. But we also have to understand that we have to focus the majority of our attention on God. Because the, the reality is you, you don't have a relationship with a book. You have a relationship with Jesus. Knowledge can never replace life. That's why Google will never replace God. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you acquire if your soul is hollow and empty. No amount of Bible or book smarts can bring you eternal life. Only Jesus can do that. He's he's the only one who went to the cross and carried our sin. He stood in the gap that separated us, that separated humanity and God. He is the restorer and the life giver. He is the the life establisher of relationship with God with the Father. That's why Jesus came. He came to reconnect us to the source of life. That's what I want us to see a little bit today. Everything about being a disciple of Jesus is relational, right? Everything that he does. You see Luke chapter 9. He, he's, when he, send, he sends out the 12, there's a description there of, of, of a bunch of different things that happen. So, right, he, he sends out they, the disciples, as he's walking with them, he's teaching them, he's learning, he's living life with them. And we read there in 9, in 9 10 that they want to send people away, right? There's a bunch of people, they've gathered around, they're listening to God, there's like, like 5,000, and, and he's, he's like, we'll feed them. And they're like, no, nah, man, let's send these people away. They need to go get something to eat somewhere else. And the Lord is like, no, you feed them. And we see the miracle that happens there. 
There's a, there's a moment in chapter 9 where Peter, there's a, the, on the Mount of Transfiguration, and there, it's, there's this, this, this amazing just display of power and glory and, and, and this heavenly place, right? And Peter's like, man, let's build a house right here. Let's not go anywhere else. Let's just stay right here. And God's like, no, man. We, we got we to gotta, we gotta continue on. We got to go. There's a, there was a father who brought his demon-possessed son, and the disciples prayed over it, prayed over it, prayed over it. They couldn't do it. They brought him to Jesus, and Jesus did it. And he says, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you that these kind only come out through prayer and fasting. There was, there were, they were, they were, there was moments where they argued over who was the greatest. I know I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. I'm greater. No, the selfishness that they were working through. They wanted, they wanted to stop somebody from casting out demons. Now, you're not part of who, you're not part of our gang. You're not part of our crew. Just like, wait a minute. There was a, there's a moment where they even reacted. They, they wanted to react in vengeance to a Samaritan. These, these, these guys following Jesus, his crew, his dudes, wanted to enact vengeance on Samaritan, working through the hate in their heart. For a people, well, wait, what? The disciples, like, like, like the ones who were martyrs, like Peter, like the dude that said, "Crucify me upside down," because I'm not worthy to die like my king. The one, that, the guys that got got slaughtered and killed, the guy that stood there, yeah, those guys. That there was a process for them, and just those those original disciples. Jesus didn't hesitate. He didn't hesitate to help them, and he doesn't hesitate with you. He doesn't hold anything back from you. Jesus is not hesitant to share his life and power with you. In fact, he has. He's ready to take the risk of your failures and your mistakes, of my failures and my mistakes. And he offers us his friendship. He offers us his feedback. He offers us his forgiveness. But the way you become a disciple is through relationship. He gives us that for, for, for a relational fabric so that we can establish that with one another so that we can walk together. Not so, that, not so that we can gobble it all up and it's mine. No, so that we can give it out. Because God says, I have so much more. Like this is just the tip. This is just, I'm just, this is just the, the very start of it all. But you got to give it out because you don't have a capacity to, to contain it all. So give it out. And that's what he's calling us to do. That's what I believe that Pastor Ross is leading us this next season. In this, 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 it's a lifestyle here at One Chapel that we want to embody. Relationship. Relational dis, disciple making. That's who we want to be. That's who we're choosing to be. And it doesn't happen by studying the Bible all by yourself. Not even simply having a relationship with Jesus. That, that, that's great, but that's not enough. It's by practicing the ways of Jesus with others. By us doing it together. So we have a choice. In this moment, you may have been calculating all your, your week and all the things that you have going on in your life. I think that's a good thing to do. But don't calculate it under the things that you need. That's kind of counter, that's, that's countercultural. That's contrary to the way a lot of us and the way we were all raised. 
You gotta go, you gotta get the things that you need. You gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. But I think when we think that way, what, what we do is we put ourselves in the position of the source. We put ourselves in the position of provider. And if, if Jesus is our king and he is our savior, then he's our source. He's our provider. We look to him to give us those things. If you love me, obey my commands. That's what he calls us to do. And it's your choice. Don't settle today. Continue to go for a cheap imitation of knowledge-based expert Christianity. I want the prayer team to come on up. I want to worship here just for a moment. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and walk, walk with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's reclaim this way of Jesus together. The reason I asked the prayer team to come up is because this is a partnership. It's relational. And I want you to have an opportunity to, to just lay some things down this morning. Would you all stand with me as I pray and we worship together and then we'll, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, I love you and I adore you. I exalt you. Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that when your word goes out, it does not return void. Holy Spirit, do your work. Holy Spirit, you have your way in us. In the name of Jesus.